Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Catherine Ingram. The following is excerpted from a session of Dharma Dialogues held in Lennox Head, Australia, in June 2018. It's called, Even Though You Have Broken Your Vows. There's a Sufi line I like a lot, and it goes, Even though you have broken your vows, perhaps 10,000 times, come again, come again. So broken your vows is a little bit heavily religious sounding, so I'm going to edit it slightly. (laughs) So even though you have not met your intentions, perhaps 10,000 times, Right. Many, many times that you've said, oh, I knew better, or you've intended not to fall into neurotic, crazy states. (laughs) You've promised yourself over and over, right, you're not going to indulge certain types of, you know, mind streams. And there you found yourself in it again. Rather than a lot of self-recrimination and rather than a lot of big story about how did this happen again and what, why is this happening, all of that just simply come again, come again. This moment is always fresh. And you can find yourself surprisingly fresh in it Right, you've, you've come back into the new you over and over and over and over. Of course, there are patterns, tendencies, conditionings that are familiar. But I, at this ripe old age, am kind of interested in the fact that I don't really recognize myself if I think about who or I was or how I used to perceive or how I used to be. There's a kind of familiarity, of course, but it's very, very different. With time and with a a certain use of attention, whereby one doesn't practice one's contours of self that much. You don't tell a lot of stories. Like, I just don't tell as many stories about who I am anymore. It's a habit that I used to have as a younger person, and that has changed a lot over the years. Perhaps 10,000 times, perhaps in a day, one might sense that. But your mind is jumping all over the place. You're in a particular phase that's kicking up a lot of old conditioned stuff, material. And each moment is yet again fresh.
And one releases all ideas of having to untie all these knots, right? Punjaji used to use the image of the Gordian knot, <clears throat> that all these people came along and they were trying to figure out how to untie the knot. Impossible. And Alexander comes along and he just takes his sword out and slices through it. <laughs> I loved that story. You don't have to untie all the knots. You don't have to figure out all the back history. Just start with the freshness. It's lovely to be back here. Yes, I haven't seen you for a while. I've been traveling like you. Yeah. Different places. But just that the feeling of 10,000 times, the sort of, the, and coming fresh every moment. It's, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful image and wonderful place to start just a, like a new opportunity. Like I was getting at the end of that an image of a seed, a new seed. Mm, yeah. It's, it's not the time really for growing much, although there are winter vegetables that are grow, growing, but for me the winter feels more like just sort of closing down and to going internally and looking at listening more carefully to that voice that's often repeating, you know, the, the mean voice inside of me that makes up the stories about what I'm doing wrong mm. and catching myself in that and just to, you know, come, to come fresh every moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Sometimes it just takes the reminder that that's possible, that that's really... Absolutely. It's the perfect reminder for me yeah. today just to... Just there isn't anything to do, just to... Yeah. What a relief. Yeah. I mean, what, a, what a relief just yeah. to be able to let go and start again, start afresh. Yes, absolutely. In every moment, you know, like often there's a day that... I might feel like everything's going wrong, you know, just like just go to bed early and start again tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it'll be yeah. different. Or yeah, yeah. after the full moon or after this or whatever. But like what about in the next breath? Yes. Start fresh. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I told if if I've mentioned this, but um a few months ago one of my close friends called me in the middle of the night, her night, my day, and um, she was just in a twilight zone. She was just in this crazy mind state, and she knew I would be awake, uh, unlike most of the other people in the world. <laughs> and um, so she called me, and I said, God, it must be like two or three in the morning your time. And she says, yes, yes, it is. So she relaunches into this thing, and I, and I, I just said, I listened to it, and I just said, this sounds like crazy middle-of-the-night talk. <laughs> but in a way, we can have crazy in the middle-of-the-night talk in the day, <laughs> right? 
right? Sometimes we just get into a, a bubble of madness, you know? And it's good to kind of shake yourself as, as though you're saying, because she really laughed and she really knew what I was talking about. And I said, this is going to look so different tomorrow. <laughs> and I did for her. Um, but it, it, that can happen in a day. That can happen, you know, as you go. I mean, sometimes if I'm having a, like a, a neurotic little mini storm, um, I'll just, I'll just sort of put my attention, as I've said so many times, put your attention anywhere else, right? Darn some socks, anything, right? <laughs> it doesn't have to be gloriously spiritual or anything like that, just any old thing. And then I find myself, yes, I'm just kind of almost chuckling at the, at the state that I just was and, and the difference. And because I've made that experiment many, many thousands of times, I have a kind of confidence when I'm in one of those, you know, that I'm going to, as soon as possible, I'm going to snap out of this in some way or other, you know. Um, and I, another phrase that comes to me to say is, I often speak about that we live in a grand mystery, but that also includes our own very self, we, it, the truth is, I mean, if we really consider it in a, re, in a great reflection, you're a mystery to yourself. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's a part of this. A vast, a vast. A vast mystery. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that the original who am I question, it doesn't have an answer. It leads you into the mystery. And so um, I see the power of that question in exactly that, yeah. that if you really ask it in a heartfelt way, you're not going to get an answer. You're going to land in the big, vast mystery of, about life, about existence itself, yeah. about all of this show that we don't really know much about. Mm -hmm. And that's actually very freeing, and that's very... Um, enlivening and it, it definitely takes the pressure off of all the little dramatic stories <laughs> that we're all caught up in <laughs> little bubbles in the stream I'm thinking I've just spent a, a few days in a uh contemplating a really difficult relationship in my life, a fam family member, yeah, that um, really it goes back as long as I can remember, mm. you know. <clears throat> so there's a lot of um, once that issue comes up, it's very dense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to start afresh in the middle of that density, yeah? Yeah. yeah. It's hard to sort of um, step outside of it. Yeah. It's are there issues that are triggering it? In current stories or... Yeah, so I then see. it's sort of like it just kind of rises up and surfaces, you know, yeah. and yeah. then it stays surfaced for a while and then it kind of... Recedes. Yeah. <laughs> but when it's surfaced, it's like got the history of all the times it's surfaced yeah. and there doesn't seem to be... It's a, it's a, there's no answer yeah. to yeah. this particular connection, yeah? yeah? yeah. It's like some karmic... <laughs> not that's never going to go away. That's how it feels. Yeah. So then when it's in, 
Yeah, it's hard to be fresh, I guess. It's got so much history. Yeah, and, and, and let's say, okay, it's hard to be fresh when it's arising. Mm. And my point is, just as soon as possible, allow the freshness to resurface for you mm. without having to think that that knot has to be untied. Yeah. Right. Mm. Free yourself of that one as well. Mm. There's certain, there's certain, and what you're pointing to too, when you have history with someone where there have been many, many different moments of a certain kind of thing going a certain kind of way consistently, that will definitely come, that will evoke a lot of conditioning and a certain degree of reactivity mm. when you're experiencing it again. Mm. It's just human, it's just normal. Mm. Um, so to really allow that, do your best to not have a reaction that's going to further dig the hole deeper. Mm. Maybe try to contain the reaction with like an inner implosion. <laughs> um, and know that as soon as possible, you're going to move the attention into the what-so of it, the also of it, the surrender um, all of those things without having to find some grand solution mm. Mm. if it just doesn't seem that mm. possible. Mm. And sometimes, mysteriously, it's been the case for me where I've felt that I've been at an impasse in a certain type of relationship, friendships usually, um, that somehow they kind of revive themselves in some in some way that might be um, serviceable, let's say, but not necessarily super intimate anymore. Mm. But just at least something softens around the whole thing. And others that that the it's like the damage is done. You, mm. you can't really do much about it. Mm. It's like you realize this is uh, dangerous ground and I'm not going to hang out on this dangerous ground anymore. Mm. Mm. I mean, there's, there's such a panoply of possibilities um, with regard to re human relationships and how we play them and how we negotiate them. Um, and all the while, you know, while honoring our own conditioned responses in certain circumstances with people, um, and that is, like, you don't necessarily just think you're going to always be fresh. In relationships that there's been a lot of hurt in, in the background, you know, it's a little bit silly then to go into it and think you're going to be fresh. You know, it's a little dangerous, really. Um, where you can be fresh, though, is in the aftermath, in the, in the stepping aside once you're able to do that. In a, in a sense, not carrying them in your head. That's where the freshness can be. I liked what you said, something you said earlier, sort of just was resonating around some of the stuckness is around wanting it to be gone, to be fresh, yeah. wanting the solution to be fresh. So some way being fresh in the middle of the pain, yeah, yeah of this or the stuckness somehow. I'm not sure I totally or just, know how to do yeah, that. It, it, yeah. Even if, like I'm just going to go from my own experience, which is yeah. the only place I can really yeah. speak from. Let's say I, I, I'm experiencing something that's very hurtful, agitating, uh, bewildering, 
it's kicking up resentment, etc. I'm let's say somebody has done something or behaved in such a way that I consider deeply inconsiderate, unkind, you know, some even minor betrayal. Wrong. Huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone's done something that's wrong. Yes, in your right, mind, wrong, mind. yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so in the midst of all of those feelings, it may not feel like it's your freshest moment. It's like I said to my girlfriend, it's the middle of the night talk, right? It's an equivalent of that. Like in the middle of it, it's almost like you're on a bad drug, you know? And, and, and you're just experiencing this kind of dark state of mind. Where I go with that is that I know that this is going to pass one way or another. Either I'm going to move my attention around in such a way or just with some time or I'm going to go, you know, take a bath or take a walk or sit and have a cup of tea and look outside. Somehow or other, the attention is going to move around and it's going to reset itself to its more quiet place because that's where it likes to be, and that's where it actually feels the most normal now. Um, so it, it, that's what I rely on as the freshness. Is the, it's almost like a return to the freshness and not expect to have that necessarily in every moment. These are the kinds of distinctions I emphasize. I don't ask for a steady state of myself. I know that that is not likely, and I don't have any expectation that it will be. <clears throat> I do notice that it's gotten more steady over the years, but it's, it's not entirely steady, you know, at all. There's definitely some roller coaster rides and old conditioning and disappointments and fears and some of the stuff we've talked about, about future thoughts and so on. That's all in the mix of my screen of awareness. But my attention defaults quickly. It, it does the returning, it does the coming again. And that's where the confidence is for me. I don't care about the arisings. I know that, you know, my monkey mind that's going to go all over the place sometimes, but... I don't mind that. I, I, I know, I expect that. So the confidence really is about the ability to return the attention, the coming again. Even if it's not directly in that moment. Well, yeah. certainly it usually isn't directly in that moment. And then it's just a matter of how long are you willing to suffer your crazy mind. <laughs> and... Um, I'm not very willing to suffer my crazy mind for too long. I used to have a lot more stamina for it. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm realizing there's this, there's this chatter that I often have about um, some spiritual chatter. Yeah. Like when I'm quiet, you know, when my mind's quiet and still then, you know, this I'm is related to God or, you know, God, I'm there and then when I'm not, I'm away from it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that starts to dissolve in, in, yeah. um, in, in my view yeah. with the great clear experience mm. of what is actually going on mm. and with the release of any ideas about it being other than, mm. 
the direct experience that you're having, which is that the attention seems to be setting itself more to peaceful channels. And that's all there is to it. Right? And you just keep floating along on that program, you know, of how you're using your attention. So, yeah, I've said many times, um, you know, my spiritual ideas have gone, you know, the seeking is completely gone, all of that is gone. Um, so, you know, so simple now, so ordinary, and... <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I really love that quote, come, come, yet again, come. You know, ours is not a caravan of despair. It's one of my favourite yeah. ones because I, it really... Is it Rumi? Who is it? Rumi. Is it, is it yeah, Rumi? Sure, yeah. yeah, yeah, Rumi. And um, so many times, no matter how far away I get from myself, the invitation's just open to come back. Yeah. I don't have to make up with myself or my soul. It's like, just you're welcome back. Doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, that's where you've beautiful. Gone, like you know? the prodigal son, you know. Yeah, just like you just welcome open arms, yeah. you know. that's. And I've had that experience many times when I've really felt like I've betrayed myself or I've gone so far away from yeah. what's true. Um, <clears throat> and also there's a sense for me in that of community, like somehow... I'm not just coming back to me, I'm coming back to my connection or my community or where I belong, you know. Yeah. I'm welcomed by everybody. Yes, yes. It's been a really strong theme my whole life. Beautiful. And I guess what happens to me is I know that movement of coming back and I have this feeling that in life, Here's real life and it's stress and the things I have to manage in the world. And it's kind of have, I have to leave that caravan, you know, of where I belong and that in order to manage in the world. But I can come back, you know. Yeah. And there's this sort of sense even like, like I can't be who I really am and, and manage in the world how my life, you know, manage with the stress in the world, you know. And you were saying just before that you don't have that that seeking anymore. Yeah. Like I, it's kind of like I know where to go, but I know that I'm going to keep leaving it because I've got to get on and in the world, et cetera, et cetera. And if I'm in the place of that openness and that belonging and that connectedness, I kind of feel like it can't fit into this conditioned world. Like well, they're two I, different I, so I'm hearing you and I understand why that would be a, that would be a sense. I was just reflecting as you were speaking. In my own case... Um, it's almost like certain circumstances are much more, um, the, the, the colors are much richer uh, of being in that kind of brightness of being. And then sometimes when it's in a more workaday mode or travel mode or just some other kind of... Or even less space, you know, and, and less that's space, what I'm experiencing. No busy, space in my life. All that busyness yeah. and so on. It, it, the colours are much more dimmed, but I don't have a sense of in and out so much. It's For me, it's like, um, you know, sometimes there's neurosis going, sometimes fear is arising, sometimes there's busyness. Right. All of that, it just all feels part of the same seamless experience of being, right? 
it's all just rolling on. And then other times I've, I'm feeling a much more, you know, strong, drenched sense of, of calm and quiet. But I'm not necessarily looking for, like, I, again, no steady state and no sense of, in certain circumstances, it's there, and others, it's not there. It's just that it's more obvious. It's more, it's more obvious in some, and a little more opaque in others. So, for instance, when I'm tired, when I'm very exhausted, sometimes I'm not, I don't sleep well. Sometimes, um, so the next day I'm a bit draggy, and I'm noticing that my awareness is dimmed. It's operating at about half its normal clarity. And so there's just the experience of that. It's like exhaustion is, is being experienced through the beingness. But once again, a sense of a confidence that, you know, at some point if I get enough rest, the full complement of energy will be back. If I don't, then it won't. Uh, like that, you know. Yeah, I guess I can see how the idea of returning mm-hmm. has created a subtle separation from yeah. one state of being and another yes, state of yes, being. Yes, yes, yes. And then I return back to this state of being, yes, and I right. know I'm going to actually lose it, so I'm there and I'm yeah, doing this. Right, thing. yeah. So maybe it's not quite the right languaging, is it? I mean, it's so hard well, to. What's f- interesting is I've carried this phrase, that phrase for yes. most of my life. It's been <laughs> one of my favorite things, you know. So I, car- I think I've carried a separation in the way I see my experience. Right. From I'm right. either connected to that part of myself in the universe or I've lost it and I've got to seek my way back. Right, yes. And even the idea of broken your vows. That's it. And I know. do. I make these, although I have these truths and then I go against them. Yeah, So that's right. my idea of breaking vows. Yeah. But, yeah, it's interesting the way that, um, because it's been so meaningful for me, how that's probably shaped how I understand what's going on in my right. life. Right. So, know. I mean, you could still use it as a kind of little <clears throat> intention reminder, but have a, a new translation of it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. <clears throat> I also was interested in what you said about, I forgot your phrase of it, um, Betraying yourself, or did you say that? Yeah. Um, or my truth. Your truth, yeah. Like having an insight, having an understanding, seeing something, and then actually finding myself betraying it because I move into other aspects of my being or responding to what's happening in life. And, right, yeah. You know, when you know you're not operating from right. what you really From your know. highest wisdom. <laughs> yeah. 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 <clears throat> right, yeah. All part of just being a human, you know, just... Right. It's all very touching, isn't it? Poignant. And how we we strive so hard to be a bit better, you know, and to be a bit a bit easier to live with in our with ourselves, you know. And it's so ironic that that the direction for that all to happen is in the relaxation and not in the striving. <laughs> You know, it's just constantly ironic in that regard. <laughs> it creeps in, the struggle, you know, creeps yeah. into everything, you know. Yeah. 
subtly to be somewhere other than you're not, to be in a different state, to get somewhere else. Right. And because so much in life does require effort and striving and, and doing, you know, almost all other activities that people are engaged in. Um, but this one, which I consider the quintessential one, it's the opposite. You know, it's all about deep acceptance. It's about, you know, radical acceptance and surrender and quieting and, you know, not needing to prove anything. Yeah. Just as you were saying that, I was thinking about the image that I've been holding, you know, of returning, you know, um, from that quote, come, come, yet again, come. And um, I was just thinking it's really, it's not about going somewhere, it's just that letting go, you know. Yes, Like yes. if I'm in a tighter, smaller place that yeah. maybe doesn't represent my truth and whatever, just to, to let go. Yeah. And it, that's the return. Yeah, you know, that's it, yeah. Not, you know, yeah, it's not a toing and froing. It's, yeah, it's... More of an opening. Yeah. yeah. It's just there's, there's a couple of different sections of my life. You know, I've, I've gone down a couple of different spiritual pathways. One has emphasised a lot of practice mm-hmm. and this one, which is like other ones that I've been on, which is more like just let go. Yeah. 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 And I don't know. It's just, it's just sort of a stupid. It's a stupid question. I, I, I. It's like when I'm in this with you, it's like, oh yes, the letting go. Like, oh, that's all really just hands off. Let go. Let go. Let go. But what's with the other side? You know, why? Why are there so many other paths that emphasise such intense practice? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> why there can be such a different such approach? Such a different approach. Yeah. Well, I mean, in truth, um, like for instance, in Tibetan Buddhism, they do many years of preliminary practices that are so arduous. A hundred thousand prostrations mm. is one is one of the first ones. A mm. hundred thousand full prostrations mm-hmm. takes years of time. A mm. hundred thousand of these building and dumping. I forgot what the technical name is, but where you're like dump, you're 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 building up these bowls full of rice drippings and I don't know what else, and then dumping that, and another time, and then dumping that a hundred thousand of those, and I don't know all the different hundred thousands, but anyway, eventually, eventually, after many years of practice, they give you what are called the Dzogchen teachings which are exactly this, exactly. It's no practice. But they don't tell you that, at least they didn't in the old days. They didn't in the old days tell you that. It's actually the secret's out, and a lot of people are teaching Dzogchen to complete novices, which is was not formally done and would probably be considered a bit of a no-no. So, yes, there are all these practices, at the end of all the practice, this is what you land in. So then it's a question of, are some people ready to just go to the, go to the end game, right? To go to the last point, 
and live at that point? And are there other people who would need a bit of mind training and focus and concentration? And, and probably the answer to that is yes. Um, you know, probably the answer is yes. Some people maybe would be benefited by um, different types of mind training, mindfulness practice, probably being the simplest and most direct. Um, and I've known a lot of people who don't need to do that. So for me, because of the the, the salubrious um, and happy discovery of this way of being, um, I just feel called upon to share only this. And for those who can hear that and are ready for it, you know, wonderful. We celebrate. And there are some who aren't ready for it. And that may be a greater number, I don't know. I mean, what I'm saying is not different than what Eckhart Tolle is saying. It's pretty identical. Um, and a lot of people can hear his message. It gets out there far and wide. Um, Punjaji once said, at the end of 30 years of practice, you'll only have that moment. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, you'll only just land in the, in, the, in the beingness of this very moment. So he said, why not have now, now? Why not have that experience and not think you have to go through 30 years of practice to have it? It's not going to be some other magical thing. It's just this. It's just, it's just all about your ease of being wherever you are as soon as possible. And, but it's, it's a question I've looked at a lot. It's a beautiful answer. It's like a bank loan without the debt. Yeah, you know, yes. Now. That's right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no interest. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, one time at the end of one of my retreats, long ago in California, a woman who had done a lot of mindfulness practice at retreats, I mean, many, many retreats, she'd done years and years. I had even seen her at old mindfulness tr practice um, retreats back in the day. And at the end of it, she very innocently said to me, because she reported that she'd had the most profound retreat she'd ever had. It was qualitatively different on, on all, all scales, you know, happier, more insightful, more relaxed, so easy, slept perfectly, just the whole thing just was knocked out. And she said, why do they not teach like this? And I said, you'd have to ask them, right? I don't know. I mean... I, you know, I'm not called. To, I'm not called to do it that way. Having done 17 years of practice and felt a lot of straining in that, and the truth was, I never liked walking into the meditation hall. And our teachers. 
would give the same exact talks for every course you could have just put on a tape recorder. They literally gave the same talk, and there were almost no questions. There would just be one or two practice-oriented questions, like literally things like, you know, can I change my legs in between sitting? It was like just, oh, my God, you know. And nothing about life or anything like that. And very, I have an auditory memory. It's not as good as it used to be, but it used to be pretty high fidelity. And within a very short time, I'd say probably one or two courses, I had memorized everything they were going to say. And even where their jokes went and the inflections, I could re- I could just do it. Um, and so imagine you're sitting there, you're sitting 10 hours a day. You're in total silence. You're getting up very early in the morning. Um, your, your last meal of the day is at noon. And at 5 o'clock you get tea and a piece of fruit. And often we were in a freezing cold monastery in Massachusetts. So you're cold and the night is long. (laughs) And every other day, especially if it's a long retreat, every other day you go into the hall to hear a talk. In addition to the 10 hours you're sitting, you get a talk, you get to hear a talk. And it's a talk you've heard so many times that you've memorized it. And so it was really grim, frankly. And I was in it because it had initially, because of my, I, my own conditioning was so hard and I was so crazy and young and crazy. <laughs> and, um, and it was the only thing that had actually been able to kind of wrestle my mind into some kind of behavior that I could live with like really give it mindfulness practice and so that it just couldn't move out of its little root. Um, and also because I was in a circle of friends who I really liked. They were smart and hip and, and all of them very well educated, which I wasn't. And, um, you know, suddenly I found myself in this exciting internationally cool group of people so it was this great sense of belonging and a sense that we were doing something we were all the you know the we were starting that whole mindfulness movement and so it was all very you know it was my it was my life my world my home uh though it was a moving feast and for 17 years that was how it went you met a lot of wonderful people and um, just amazing characters, and it was great. But if I really tell the truth, the practice really got stale for me within a few years. And then I slogged on, you know, year after year after year. And so when I began hearing from friends who'd been with Punjaji, and who I had known through Buddhist circles and who I could see were transformed. 
Like they were just, they were blasted open in a way that I didn't recognize, you know. And something started, you know, something started lighting in my being. Like this is a possibility because these are not people who are easily fooled, you know. I'd never been attracted to Hindu gurus or anything like that. I was a hardcore Buddhist and, you know, we'd go to India to be with Buddhist teachers. I I kind of ignored the whole Hindu scene. <laughs> and um, so to think of, I mean, he really wasn't a Hindu teacher per se. He was really much more in a universal vision and much more than non, the so-called non-dual teachings. And... Um, but being there that first time and really grokking the message and really getting there's nothing to do, there's no effort to be made, there's no attainment to be had. And all of these little, you know, minuscule noting of little mind objects is going to do nothing but just concentrate the mind and calm it down in those moments but that there was a bigger opening that was possible, a bigger spaciousness around the entire idea of it that then allows you to just really just be as you are. And so sometimes there's neurosis coming through. His point over and over and over again was that it didn't matter what was going through. You know, he'd say open the door, tear down the walls, because it's just all flowing through anyway. And so, you know, it didn't matter. So you're just really living with yourself just as is, but with just this little light, like I just like to call it a very light intention. You know, just very light, only as needed, only if you need to apply it. I'm very aware, of course, that, you know, mindfulness has been discovered and is this, you know, international phenom now. And, of course, I also hear and, and you know, read in the news, um, a lot of people are being benefited, you know, just as I was um, initially. And I think, you know, for people whose minds are just all over the place and they just don't have any kind of um, control of them. It's, it's you know, it's good. Um, I've seen, I even saw on the BBC, um, this program of, of people who are working with um, like severely mentally ill people and using mindfulness practice. It was just, it was like this, documentary on the BBC, which was amazing, um, you know, and so I, I know that it's being used everywhere in terms of, you know, but I think that there's more of a graduate level, and it's like once that's understood, and once you've got a little handle on how to move your attention around, um, then it's it, it can go into a much bigger space. And then you're not dependent on having to note little objects, you know. (laughs) 
nice to have it in the toolbox. I mean, I use it when I'm at the dentist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's so interesting what you're saying. Mm. And what I notice is um, the barrier in me is that I don't trust this surrender. Mm, you know, and it's yeah. interesting because this whole Zog Chin and realised eschatology where you can just have it now. I've been really aware of that. And, yeah. But I actually don't. So, as soon as you're saying it, I could feel, I don't trust that. Yeah. It I ha- feel like it's an experience you can have and then there's life, you know. Yeah. It's like well, this, yeah. Yeah, it has to be born of your own direct experience. But sometimes when you're hearing other people saying it and you sense that maybe they're telling the truth... <laughs> You know, it, it it at least gives you more confidence to try to, you know, turn, to be open for that, you know, and for in, in your own case, you know. I mean, that's what happened for me when I was sitting in front of Punjaji. I could see that he was sitting in what he was saying. At least that's what it looked like to me and felt like. And because of that, because of that supreme confidence he was exuding, it somehow was a transmission of sorts, not anything magical, just that something in my own confidence woke up and I began experiencing it. Not not a lot initially, but, you know, enough that it was pretty mind-blowing, you know. I actually remember the very moment I understood that all, that all of that that the whole idea that I'd been indoctrinated with about a progressive path and that I was going, I was headed toward a goal. I mean, it sounds silly to say it at this point, but that was, that was a structure of belief in my mind. And I actually remember sitting in his presence the very moment that that belief became absurd to me. Um, and so I really saw, wow, you know, I have invested a lot of my life force in that belief. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> that got freed up. I never returned, never for a second did it ever return. So it is, it's not, it's an experience and an experiment that you make with yourself. This has been In the Deep. You can find the entire list of In the Deep podcasts at katherineingram.com, where you can also book a private session by phone or Skype and see my upcoming events, such as our New Year's retreat at the ocean near Lennox Head, Australia, or our residential retreat in New Zealand in May of 2019. If you're a regular listener, please consider making either a one-time or a recurring tax-deductible donation in any amount that's comfortable for you, or you could give us a review wherever you're getting your podcasts. Till next time.